Everybody is living with a terminal case. Everybody's on their deathbed. We're all on our way out. This is the way of things. This is the way of life that we just need to accept. But yet every single person strives to have that stillness, that unchanging in the world of the ongoing. As the Vedas call it samsara, the endless monotony of life and death in a perpetual state of being whereby life is just a seamless, uh, what would you say, a seamless continuum from death. And we're always striving to have something solidified, something that's tangible, that's not changing, that's not a part of this unending differentiation, this flux, this dynamism, the steadfastness of some sort of a inert soul behind it all. There is a being within the moving, within the changing, within the spiritual. There's a spirit of the dynamic that needs to be a have its. You got to get your your head around that thing. The hand moves, the eyeball sees, but it doesn't see itself. It's like if you take a camera and you put it towards the screen that it's supposed to be capturing the video of it. I mean, it'll create an interference pattern. It'll just be a static. It won't be nothing, dog. It won't be nothing. Just nothing will be there. And the same thing goes for your eyeball. You don't see sight. The only time you see anything is when something else interferes with it. I got news for you, though. The universe is a giant mirror. It's reflecting one thing and one thing only. That thing is you. The thing that it's reflecting is every single instance of your divine being is coming back to you. It's your experience. You're experiencing it. Coming to the divine through the experience of life. That's the biblical, uh, the, the Bible narrative of existence. The subjective canon. Because every single thing that exists that's partaken, partaken by through your existence, through your being, through your experiencing things is inherently nothing more than just a absurgence of your own being the pencils that you see in front of you the panes of glass as you gaze out through the window even my voice itself is a manifestation of your own excellence and exaltation as as a divine entity in this world creating everything around you you are god and I'm not saying that in the mouth. I'm not trying to, to tout your ego by any means. No, I'm not trying to toot your horn. Don't get any ideas here. What it is is that you are an element of the divine. You are God. You've just forgotten. You've forgotten who you are to come into this realm, this place where things are different things change nothing nothing is static 
where your only promise, the only truth that you have that you can obtain to is death. The only reality thing that's real is death. It's promised to you. Your case is terminal. Everybody's got terminal case. Every time you go to bed, you're on your deathbed. Every single moment from the time that I began this podcast to the time you're hearing me now, you're that much closer to the end. Annihilation. It's coming. It's coming for you. It's on its way. It's the only assurance that you get in life. It's the only certainty. We cling to certainty. We want certainty. It's a nice, good feeling to have that assurance. And yet, everything in its in its permeable state, its flux, its dynamism, is inevitably moving, spiraling in a chaotic motion towards the inevitable annihilation of it all, the doom, the fate. Fall in love with it. It's a beautiful thing. Fata Mori, I think it's called. Fata Amor Fati. Fuck my Latin. You know, you want Latin lessons? Go to online university or something. Go watch a YouTube video. Fuck me, man. You really need that? Fata Muriel, just make up a word. Love of fate. The love of fate. And understanding and the assurance of your doom is to just be okay with it. And we have this sort of proclivity in our social constructivist society, our weird quasi-Western contemporary world where we see death in a sort of a glim light it's it's deranged it's a it's a morbid state of things it's something people don't really necessarily want to talk about people don't want to approach it it's a terrifying feat and we we've created a monster out of it in fact there's nobody in the medical community who's able to cope with it they're not meant to deal with death to help you deal with your own demise anytime you go with some sort of ailment some sort of bacterial infection that's eating away your brain their first reaction is to give you some sort of a medicine put you on something get this person to good health what what is that term anyway good health it's only decided by the medical community it's a, it's a completely subjective idea what good health is. Good today, here today, gone tomorrow. I'm here to help expand your mind. Art, magic, the cult machine. And be- our death is beautiful. It's just as beautiful as life. It has just as much meaning to it. In fact, it's the it's the cessation of all bodily functions as it's been put in the in the Vedas, as it's been defined through those ancient those ancient books, Sanskrit books. So it must be real, right? That must be legitimate if that's what what is said in those books. I believe it. So it's a fantastic thing, and we're always looking for that steady assurance of that one integral part of ourselves that's not dynamic that's not attached to the world it's beyond something that's steadfast that's always behind the the counter watching gleaming its own inherent 
guesstimates from whatever it's trying to extrapolate from the world. I don't know. I don't know what this thing is. Is it even there is the question. You know, the little person, the somnambulist that's supposedly living in your pineal gland, that sacred artery, the sacred artery that's stationed behind your brain, behind your eyes, it's there. Watching, learning, steady. The eyes don't see the eyes. The eyes only see reflections. The only time you can apprehend an idea, an adequate idea of what these things are, these sight machines, called your eyes is by reflection, through a reflective mirror, some sort of a reflective surface. You see, you try, you sort of get an idea of what they are, but ultimately you never can see your own eye unless you suffer some sort of a tragic, tragic mishap where one of your eyes pops out, but you're only witnessing your other eye. You can't see the eye with which you're seeing the popped out eye as per that eye. You're only seeing the eye of an eye. The eye with which you're seeing can't see itself. It's sort of a not being there. It's sort of a negation of it. its being through these other things, interacting only with things that are not itself. It gains its own idea of what it is. It's the nothingness. It's not there. It's a negative. It's Maya. Every time you look in the mirror, it's Maya. It's not real. That's false reality. False, fake. It's a reflection. It's not your eyeball. Don't give in to those irrealities, irrational thoughts. My good man. Other people have eyes. Yeah, we have our logical systems. Our brains do their thing. But the, ultimately, the mechan- the mechanistic, naturalistic worldview of science is not prepared to deal with the multiplicity of meanings that stem from these experiences. A scientist could tell you the mechanical structure of your eyeball, the anatomical makeup of it, the cells, the DNA, the folia, or whatever it's called, the fovea, the pupil, the iris, every single component, blood vessels, how it works, what it does, relaying information in the back of your skull. You want a textbook? There's something innately here, but what about this? How can a scientist explain to you? Wow, 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 How does it scientist? How do you explain that with science? Like the the eyeball, the thing, every single instance of your existence. How do you explain that subjective thing, the consciousness, or whatever you call it, the spirit, the soul? Try to explain that to me. Hey, Mr. Scientist, Mr. Atheist guy. The All the atheists did was that they removed the word God and put nature. What created the universe? Nature. There was no God. God didn't create the universe. It was nature. Your eye is a natural occurrence. And ultimately, your system is going to fail. Inevitably, all of your life functions are going to shut down. And it's a beautiful thing. It's your new birth. Don't let anybody ruin your death for you by trying to demure you into some sort of a negative state of consciousness. Embrace it. This is probably the most the most growth that you're going to have in your entire life. It's a very transcendental experience. It's a beautiful, as beautiful as 
birth. There, I just said it. It's as beautiful as birth, death. We're all terminal. We're all in a downward spiral, moving towards the same path. Don't feel bad if you have a, a different case. Don't let them. Don't let the medical community think. Let you think that your disease is any worse than the other others' disease of life. Life is a disease, technically. Every everybody is on that path, that terminal path, moving towards it. And the hourglass sand drips one more little pebble infinitesimally into the bottom pit. Almost completely empty. You don't know. You don't know how far along you are in the sands of time. Whoa. That's a good that's a good little what is this, Prince of Persia? The sands of time. Moving towards the ultimate conclusion. Wah, 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 Why are we here? Don't ask questions that, in, that can't be answered. The Buddha says, ask questions that have a sort of an existential flip to them. With an existential twist. With a twist! Something that you can be malleable. Something that's malleable. Something that you can work with. You can't work with that. You can't ask that. Whoa, why do we exist? Because we exist. How about you ask ask this question? This is a much better question. Ask, why do I need to ask the question, why do we exist? Why do you need to ask that question? Wah, 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 wah. I'm just going to do that. That's, just, that's a cool little sound. It's inevitably very <sighs> spiritual and meditative. The cult machine number one, extreme spirituality for all of you kooks out there, all you kooky folk, all you spiritual seekers trying to understand the, the notions of life and death and rebirth and eventual nirvana, samadhi, movement outside, in increasing your ability to connect with your Atman outside towards the Brahman, that ultimate thing, the ultimate reality that bestows all realities along its lines, maybe, or maybe the shell, there is no ghost in the shell, there is no steadfast entity, and the whole churning of the wheels of time are the only entity that, that exists. Ever thought about that? That's the idea. That's the mechanistic. The scientists really like that one because it makes sense to them. It makes sense in their world. It can be objectified. It could be rendered down to its mere composite states, its templates of reality, its moving components. It can be turned into a... What would you call it? The corpuscles. Corpusculates. Not the monadic sense where everything is integrated in with itself. That could be, a, it's a plausible. Wouldn't that insinuate maybe a cosmic mind behind that? The mind is hard to grasp, even when you're getting it under control. The monkey mind, I think that the Buddhists call it, the meditation. People who undertake any sort of a meditation. The first time I did meditation was from a Barnes and Noble 599 one of their special rate little books oh man it's late i always do these late these things late it needs to be we need to bring this to a to a closure 
It's beautiful. Except your terminal case of life. You have terminal life. It's coming for you. How do we embrace it? It's a difficult question. Thanophobia. Fear of death. Embrace it. Love of death. Thanamoria? That's my, that's my poor attempt at mixing Latin and Greek. Okay, let me, let's do that one more, more time. Thano... Eros? Erothen... No, wait, that's a necrophilia. Necrophilia! I like death. I'm turned on by it. I'm in love with it. But then the idea of you becoming nothingness is terrifying to some people. But every single night, well, maybe not every single night, on the nights that you have dreamless sleep, the nights where you close your eyes and the next morning you're awoken by the screeching sound of your alarm clock because you know that you have to get up Put on your pants, your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and go off and be a slave to some rich capitalist master somewhere and have him determine and dictate your life to you for his slash her own pleasure to build wealth. You wake up in the morning and you have this screeching alarm clock. What is your, what is your first instinct? If you reach over and you tell it, shut up. Shut up. I don't want to be awake now. I don't want this. I want to go back. You always want, you know, they have the snooze now. You could, you could hit the snooze. You hit the snooze. It's the biggest button on the clock. The snooze. It's just, all it is is send me back to the nothingness. Send me back to the nothingness, please. I don't want, I don't want this now. I don't want to enter into. The dynamic. I don't want to enter back into the flux, into the wheel of samsara. I want to go back to the nothingness. Just let me go back every single morning. Every single morning. It's just put me back. Put me back to the nothingness. That's what we want. You see, you're scared of it. If it's a, if that's what happens. Maybe. It's more than likely. Nobody has it right. The end of life, it's a huge mystery, right? It was designed that way. Nobody knows. Science tries to have ideas about it. But the objective fact of science is that nobody knows. Nobody knows. Isn't that, is that, that's how nature created you and me. To not know. It's a mystery. Nobody knows. Probably everybody's ideas of it, hypothesis, theories, they're all, it's probably, probabilistically, they're all wrong. They're all wrong. Nobody knows. Nobody can prove without a shadow of a doubt what happens. Every single story, every single, every single person's interpretation of biblical narratives, heuristics, interpretations of mythology, People that have come back from the dead. Zombies. Nobody knows. And it's supposed to be that way. More than likely, 
the notions and the strategies that we've determined to help us cope in life with this mystery, when the mystery is over, when we're five minutes, ten minutes, an hour after your death, when consciousness has flown off into the winds, when your spirit has been released from this this prison, then you'll know. That's the only way to know. Everybody else is wrong. Every single notion of everybody, oh, you think that you go to heaven? That's wrong. You go to hell? That's wrong. You go to nirvana? You enter into become one with the supreme reality? That's wrong. Nobody knows. Let me tell you something, though. Let me tell you something. You are God, okay? You are God in every single instance Every single waking moment, every time you look in the mirror, every time you look across the room to another part, you look at another person, they're only a reflection of you. Everything. You don't control your body. You don't control as much of your body as you think that you do. Your body is more or less out of your control. Even your thoughts, even the way that you think, you can't control that. That's not something that you have conscious control over. Don't think about a pink elephant. Don't think about a pink elephant. How much of that do you control? Your heart beating. All of these blood vessels pumping, oscillating, movements growing. Who grows your hair? Do you think about growing your hair? Or does it just happen? The same forces that are controlling your body control everything else the same thing that grows your hair is also spinning the stars in orbit around you that same force that same energy that's in you through you that is you so face it face the facts come come out of the closet i know it you're god okay you're god don't let that toot your horn any much okay i'm not here to pump up your ego in fact don't go out and do something crazy because you're still gonna get arrested if you think everybody everybody exists for you they do they do everything in this world that is in your subjective consciousness is there is no objectivity objectivity is just correspondence positivistic correspondence somebody else saying oh yes i see that thing that thing that we're talking about we're both corresponding in it but essentially it has to be you who perceives that person affirming that correspondence so it's all subjective man it's all subjective the objectivity is bullshit your existence it's okay to be a little bit i'm gonna give you a big word here I'm going to give you a big word. It's called solipsistic. Solipsistic. Try to say that one three times fast. Solipsism is the idea that only you, in th- that I just described to you, only you exist, only your mind exists, only your consciousness, and it does you have you look between two things to affirm into categories 
in modal logic in order to initiate and to render things into species. You look at two bluebirds. You say, oh, those are blue jays. They're bluebirds. And then you see two of the same trees. They look the same. They're not the same tree, but they're similar. They connect. There's a similarity between them. For the mind, for the consciousness, there's no, uh, there's nothing. You can't do that with the mind, with the consciousness. You just, you have one. You have one and one consciousness, one mind only. Not talking about psychic objects here. I'm not talking about thoughts. I'm not talking about sentences forming in your mind or memories. I'm not talking about psychic objects. You can think of them as much as you think about any other object coming into your narrow view of reality. No, I'm talking about the big thing. The thing that sort of ties it all together. What What is it? Consciousness? Mind? I don't know. Spirit? Atman? Satchitananda? Whatever. It's a thing. It's just a weird thing. The... That's what you can call it. Just call it that. The... The never-ending thing that's following you around. Does that go? The question is, does that go after death? It's not... Why don't you go in and try to find it? Bring it out. Bring it out. Bring out your consciousness and let's see if we can destroy it doesn't seem to change it's the planum it's like the the stage where all these players come in and out they enter and they have their they have their entrances and they have their exits life is a stage the consciousness is a stage more to put it frankly to put it better right well Everybody's case is terminal. We all have to face the music. And it's beautiful. It's a part of nature. It's 100% natural. Death is a 100% natural thing. It's all natural, baby. It's organic. And it doesn't cost you anything. There's no charge to it. Just accept it. The hardest part about accepting it is that we've forgotten what we are. We've forgotten that we are gods. We're meant to think that we're so tiny, which we are. We're also enormous, infinite, unending, vast, unfathomable, in the endless void of the great poobah, I like to call it. Become one with the great poobah. Nobody has their own soul. It's all one soul, one spirit, and we all share it. And there is no other. There's no other people. The others, they don't exist. There's only you. There's only you and your consciousness, and everything else is just an elaborate hoax. It's an elaborate 
joke. It's like a practical joke that you're playing on yourself to forget. Think about being God, immaculate, perfect, everlasting, infinite. That's boring as shit. It's boring, and it gets boring after a hundred trillion years of of unending, of living, of existing, of being perfect, having the accumulation of all being and all possible being, like a monad, where every instantiation of possibility of contingency is existent within the spectrum of your molecules. Everything is there. God is perfect. God has no, cannot be divided between one thing or another. God is the almighty, the supreme, the perfect, where every possibility is is made possible to make real. That's boring as shit after a while. Think about it. That's boring as shit after five years. It's like God just wants to play a joke on himself, on itself. You. You want to play a joke on yourself. You want to put on a mask and parade around like you're one of these little monkey creatures, primates on the planet Earth. Because it gets boring up there in the vastness of the Ethereum, the vastness of the Akasha, the astral plane or wherever. God exists. God can't exist in anything. God is everything. And science, it doesn't, science, we don't need to have scientific proof of God. The, these finite beings, the finitude of some of these deities that have been invented by religion in order to create these sort, they're, they're not all powerful. They're like the ancient ones that have been sleeping in the ancient ice caps of Antarctica, frozen over. Over 65 million years. Think about it. Some of these gods are totally just humans. They're just human personas. Mixed in with superpowers. Supernatural powers. This was before superheroes. I mean, God the Father is just like a superhero. If you read the Bible, there's nothing theological about that. There's gets into it, but... Anyway, that's all for today. <laughs>